we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the three things that God wants to do in all of us in our journey there. And so uh, we're going to jump right into the message. And the title of the message is How to Keep Going. How to Keep Going. And so uh, wherever you're at in your story, I think the story relates to you. Check out this picture here of this gal on the, on the screen here. It kind of hit some hard times there. And uh, how do you keep on keeping on? You ever feel like that? That you're just like, you're face down. Life is hard. School is hard. Dealing with friends. Dealing with social media. Dealing with parents. Dealing with kids. Dealing with your taxes. Dealing with being broke. A job that you hate. The dream education that you got is not leading anywhere. Maybe it's a health issue, but all of us need to hear a message at the beginning of a year on how to keep on keeping on here. And so how do you do that? And so that's what we're going to talk about here today out of Joshua chapter one. But before we get there, I want to give a little precursor from Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse one through verse three. So in just a moment, we're going to all stand up. We're going to read that. We're going to fill the house of God with the word of God. So I'm going to read verse one. I'm going to need you. I'm counting on you to read verse two, and then I'll read verse three. So would you please stand to your feet if you're able, if you're able, stand to your feet. Hebrews chapter one, chapter 12, beginning in verse one. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, us includes us here, lay aside every weight in the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You may be seated. So check it out three times. In three verses, we hear the word endure. Now, why would God do that? Like he does it, it's not like God does, can't come up with new words here. Notice this, it doesn't say how we run. And by the way, the author of Hebrews is comparing the Christian life to a race. And watch, he doesn't say, let us run with joy although that's part of the journey. He doesn't say let us run with hope, although that's part of the journey, or run with peace. He doesn't say let us escape from running the race, but how many people you just kind of occasionally want to escape. But he says here, let us run with endurance. Hupomino in the original language, which watch, it means to bear up under you ever feel like you got to bear up under the weight of responsibility of your life there? It literally means this, to withstand great pain and hardship, to run that way. To run, it says, with strength to continue despite fatigue and adverse circumstances. Let us run that we might bear up under. And isn't it interesting to read this, the beginning of 2020? Because really think about it. Like, who really wants to endure? Who wants to have to bear up under the weight of anything here? I mean, we would, by nature, rather just run there. We'd rather hit the eject button. Who wants to deal with pain and hardship? You know, we naturally would rather bolt than bear it. We would naturally want to just get out of this and escape the situation. So it says here, but to run, the key is this, over three times, endure, 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 because... Enduring is not fun, but part of our story, if you're a Christ follower, part of your story is learning how to endure. 
And so, but in our day each day, we'd rather like think this way, you know, I think what I'd rather do is just kind of download the app here, how to endure, because I don't want to have to actually endure things. I'd rather have a downloadable app here for endurance. Great. I'll just download the app that says that. But the reality is this is here. The only way that you learn to endure is how. The only, there's only one way. There's no app or the only way you learn to endure is by having to endure. No other pla- There's no other options there. And so, but by nature, we want to be pulled out of, any, out of everything here. And so uh, I want the instant promotion. I want the instant success. I want the great marriage, the great faith, uh, the great character. But I don't want to have to endure to get there. But that's the reality here. And so, and it's not uh, endure so that we can even do more for God, but endure that we might be transformed into his image. And so as Christ followers, does Jesus love you? Yes. But is, is life hard and tough? Yes, it is here. And so you want to say yes to building endurance into your life here because that's how you keep going. And so to have some tenacity there, uh, we need some endurance in the church here. And so the bottom line deal is this, is that God wants to deal endurance in all of us. And so we're going to talk about that as we move here to Joshua chapter 1. It's important because we are a generation that wants to resist that, to resist the process of actually developing endurance here. And so how to keep on keeping on here, Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to read to you the three things that God wants to do in you that will sustain you. These are the three keys to keeping on we're going to unpack here. And so Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 3. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land that I'm going to give them to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses. How to keep on keeping on. So in your notes there, you can fill in the blanks there. If you want extra credit and a gold star in heaven, you do that, all of our A students. And so... By way of review, so we're all on the same page, Joshua here, one of the greatest generals who ever lived there, accomplished something incredible, leading a couple million disorganized ragtag slaves across the Jordan River into the promised land, that which Moses was not able to do. But his life was engaged in battle. His life was engaged in a long battle, a 20-year battle. Anybody in the house feel like you're engaged in a battle? Anybody here? So the Christian life is blessing and then a battle, then a blessing, then a battle. That's what Joshua unpacks for us here. So God's people there didn't go into the promised land because of their unbelief. We've been talking about that. Now they're returning. They're coming 360 degrees. They're coming 40 years later back to the promised land. And now they have a new leader, Joshua. I want to point out something to us here too as a, as a side point. That is that Joshua served for four decades, an absolute anonymity and obscurity being the assistant of Moses. See, in our culture today, we like to step into life and just be great, be visible, be whatever. Forty years, 
anonymity, obscurity, learning, being shaped for and ready for what God would now have for him. Notice what God says to him. says that Moses, my servant, is dead. 30 days later, he announces to him the obvious. Moses, my servant, is dead. And so why would God do that? Could it be that Joshua was having trouble, difficulty, assimilating and accepting the new reality that the legend Moses, the Moses chapter is over. The legend has left. The mentor is no more. And Joshua could be buried under boatloads of grief here. So Moses, my servant, is dead, but you, Joshua, you have to keep on keeping on here. And so God has big plans for you. But this is a massive change. This is a defining moment. This is, he's at an intersection, a crossroad here. And how he negotiates this moment is going to affect the rest of his life. Moses, my servant, is dead. They were very close. And no doubt the pain that he was experiencing was immeasurable. You probably have experienced that. So Moses, now the great liberator, the lawgiver, the one who was the friend of God, who faced, who interfaced face-to-face with the Almighty here, uh, the legend, the greatest leader that's ever lived, now is dead here. You know how this registers to Joshua? Option A is over. And I'm like option, I'm option B here. God wants to do this big work, and, and now Joshua's head needed to be in the right place. So God now has got to give him a pep talk. Joshua, you can't live under the weight of the last chapter of your life. But how many people, we live there. We live under the weight and the, and the, of the past there. And so this defining moment was one where what was at stake here is Joshua could be stuck forever. Joshua, in this defining moment, he could be crushed by the weight of living under the shadow of Moses, or he could be catapulted into his future. And by the grace of God, he's catapulted into his future, but he was at risk there of being stuck in his shadow. And I think what happens to all of us in the room here is that we can fixate on the things of the past. We can fixate on what was. And that's Joshua's story there. That's Joshua's space that he's in here. And so, and we can allow the past to define us. Now, let me talk about this for just a moment, because I'm going to talk about it for more than just a moment. And so our past there, does it shape us? Of course it shapes us. Has my past shaped me? Absolutely. It shapes us. But the point is this, it doesn't need to define your future. So we're going to unpack that because that's what happens. I talk to people pretty much every week and I sit there and I listen to their story. I listen to a double amputee, 25 years old in a nursing home here on Friday. I said, I listened to her for about 45 minutes and she unpacked her story. And the whole story was pretty, 99% of the story was what has happened to me in the past here. And I'm listening to her and I'm thinking, she's just playing the tapes in her mind there of what has unraveled her. 
And that's what we do. We can play the tapes of, of what has unraveled you. Perhaps it was a teacher or a coach. For me, one time it was a coach. It unraveled me what he said about me. Or maybe it's a parent telling you, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not experienced enough. You're not talented enough. You're not worthy enough here. And we let those things define us there. And so uh, and we just try to, we're trying to uh, wallow in what went wrong in the past. And so God now has, has this word for Joshua that Moses, my servant, there's no other servant, but Moses, my servant, is dead here. Uh, what can happen? I know the reality is this. We can show up. You show up at your job. You show up at home. You show up at church there in your body, but everything about you can still be stuck. Some area of your life stuck in yesterday here. So the word is this. Hey, it's time to move on. Pivotal time here. So I have a question for you this morning. Do you think perhaps that Joshua had a mindset that needed to change? He had a mindset that needed to change. Do you think that Joshua perhaps had some fears that he needed to face? Don't all shout me down at one time. Do you think you're just leaving me up here, standing here all by myself? I ask you a question and you're all silent. Do you think maybe he had some fears that he had to face? And so here's the point is that Joshua could no longer live in that same box that he'd always lived in. At some point, we have to come to the place where we make a conscious decision to let go, to face our past there. Because uh, you cannot get on with your future unless you're willing to let go of your past. You cannot simultaneously hold on to your past and then embrace your future. You have to be willing to let go there. And so one of the ways that you get on with your past is letting go of your future so you can lay a hold of that. I think for some of us, we may need to forgive somebody. Some of you, you need to forgive somebody. For others of us, you need to talk to somebody. For others of us, you might need to talk to somebody who's a professional to walk you through all the stuff that you're still hanging on to is keeping you from your future. You see, but there's great power in being able to let go of your past. Now think about this. We can't do anything about the past, but there's decisions you can make today to deal with your past there. And it takes courage to do that. And Jesus died for your past so that your future could have a different story. So you're not stuck in the same story there. So in my own past, in my own story, I've had to do that, just like you. I've had to draw like the line in the sand or the bloodline in the sand and say with me, things I got to let go of. The craziness in my family for generations, it's got to stop somewhere. How about it stops with me? How about the fooling around and the adultery of generations stops with with me? How about the multi-generational addictions and alcoholisms dating back generations could end with me? And so, see, all of us have to face our past there. So, number one, how how do we keep going? How do we not be paralyzed by the past? You don't know someone you let go. Rather simple, you just, you let go. You have to let go of that which paralyzes you. The Apostle Paul, do you think he had to let go of some things? I mean, like murdered Christian. I mean, think he had to like let go of a few things? Beating the, beating the snot out of the church. Think he had to let go of a, of a few memories? 
What did he say in Philippians chapter 3 in his story? He said this. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, because was there a lot that was behind? You better believe there was a lot that was behind. He said, I'm going to press on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. See, you can't lay, lay hold of what Christ has laid hold of you for if you don't let go of some things in the past there. And so the whole redemptive purpose of the cross of Jesus Christ is to give you a life beyond okay, your past, to give you a life beyond that. And so God sent Jesus to the cross to shed his blood, to die a horrific death there, and so that all of humanity, including us here could receive forgiveness and hope for a better future. And so the redemptive work of Jesus, that's what gives us the courage to let go, to move on there, to get to, to our future there. Paul said this in another way, another angle in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And here's what he said. Here's what he said. He said, for God works all things together for the good. Watch. He works all things together. He takes all of the things of your life, and by his divine grace and outworking, he takes all of your brokenness, and he can work it for the good. Now, was it good? Absolutely not. It was not good, but God can take it and turn it into good because that's who he is. He's a way maker, a miracle worker. And so uh, God can take all of that and work it for the good. But see, you have to realize it's a process. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. So number one, you let go. Joshua chapter 1, he says in verse 7, only be strong and courageous. Being careful to do, watch this. Well, look at the screens. I need you to look at the screens. Be careful to do according to the, all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Watch. Don't turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Now watch what he says here. He says this. says, be careful to do. What does that speak of but your life and your lifestyle? Okay, be careful to do here. Says Joshua, you're going to face battles for many years here. And so life is going to be a mixture of battles and blessings here. But you got to build this into your life. Second thing you got to do. One, let go. You want to keep on keeping on. You got to let go. Number two. Okay, number two here. You're going to have to keep listening. I'll give it to you in a minute. So you have to build this into your life. Got to build truth into your life here. Now, why do you need to build truth into your life? Why do you need to do that? Why would you need to build truth into your life? Do you think for a moment that you live in a culture, in a world that's trying to drown out God's truth? Do you think it's trying to drown out God's voice? Do you think you need to have to tap into truth because the darkness and the evil in our world is reaching unprecedented levels of craziness? Think about it, just turn, just turn on the TV. Unprecedented levels of craziness. So if we don't lean in, and learn what God has said, his truth here. My question to you is, how are you going to survive? Uh, really, how are, you, how are you going to survive here? I just want to be very clear. I want to be very clear this morning that there are powers, and there are powers of darkness that want to take you out. They want to take you out. And so if you don't lean into what God has said, if you don't learn what God has said, 
How are you going to know how to combat all that? You're just going to believe what the media says. You're going to believe what the culture says. You're going to believe what your friends say or what your your coworkers say or your Facebook friends or your ex-spouse or your emotions say there or your reason says. How are you going to live your life there? You've got to build into your life the truth of what God has said. Here's what I know to be true. Here's what I know to be true. Is that in doing that, the reality is you just get distracted. See, there's a battle for your eyes. It's a great battle for your eyes. He says, look, don't be distracted. Hebrews 11 also says, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because here's the reality. We get distracted. It says here, it's in your Bible. It says, don't look to, the, to the, your left, my right. Okay, don't look to the left or to the right. Because that's what we do. We're living the life, okay? We're living the life, and uh, uh, here we are. We're just living our lives, right? But we like we get we get distracted, you know, scrolling and catching up with everything and all my Facebook friends, social media, and what's next and the pop ups, I sports and the latest of this and that. I get distracted. You get distracted all the time. So it says, look, you, you, you have to work not to get distracted because you will constantly get distracted. The reality is this here. There's a fight for your eyes. There's a fight for your eyeballs here. And so, so the scripture says you've got to look up here because what you, what you behold is what you become like. So you have to try to keep beholding him, and it's so easy to get sidetracked. So easy to start out well and then just get sidetracked there. And so many things can sidetrack us. So to keep on keeping on, you have to let go. Number two in your notes here, you got to lean in. you got to lean into what? Lean into what God has said. Learn and lean into what, what he said there. And so this is how you, you keep going. How else are you going to know what God thinks about you? How else are you going to know what God can do through you? Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. He said this. He said, if you, if conditional, you would abide... Abide in my word, okay, and then you'll know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. Think about the converse. If you don't abide in the truth, or so you don't abide in his word, you won't know the truth, and you won't be free. You'll be stuck. And so lean into Scripture then. Lean into what God has said to keep on keeping on. you got to lean in here. It says in Joshua uh, 1.8 there, it says, but the book of the law, okay, says keep this book of the law on your lips. In other words, say it. Talk about it. It says meditate on it. In other words, think about it. Think about what God has said here. And then he says, so that you may be careful to do that is to live it out. And so, but the temptation is this. The temptation is to pull back. The temptation is not to be fully engaged. The temptation is your, your heart pulls back. And the reality is this then. The temptation is not to live by what God has said. The temptation then is to not to live by, by his values, by God's values, by biblical values. And then rather it gets so diluted that we just live by what, like whatever, like whatever the culture says there, then worldly values. It's not easy. It's not easy to stay true to what God has said here. But it shows me the path. Shows me the path when, when, that I need to be on. Shows me when I get off the path. Shows me how to stay on the path there. And so lean into what God has said. Now, I get it. I, get it. I live in the same world you do. I get it. People say, yeah, but if you, you only knew how busy that I am. 
Well, that's true. I don't, I don't know how busy you are. I, I don't know that. But, but, so we say, so I don't, have, I don't have time because I'm so busy. But the reality is you have time for whatever you want to make time for. That's a reality. So we always have time to eat. You know, we never say, I never hear anybody say, well, maybe occasionally I don't have time to eat. But, but you have time to do whatever you, you, you have that you set your mind to and make time for. Now think about Joshua. He's the general, right? He's leading, what, a couple million ragtag, disorganized slaves. Do you think Joshua leading a couple million people, he had like all kinds of free time? All kinds of free time. No, Joshua knew what he was talking about. Joshua didn't have boatloads of of free time here. And and, and the word came through him. And so so you got to create space. You got to create space in your schedule to lean in. So number three, how do we keep on keeping on? We let go. We lean in. Number three, you just get some point, you got to like launch out. You got to launch out. That's the story here. So literally, they had to launch out to step out in faith. Okay, a couple million people, they're they're free then. Uh, What happens, the first thing that happens in the promised land, they face the Jordan River there. And they're filled with all this sense of of God-filled destiny. And now the Jordan River, at its highest point there, the Jordan River seems uncrossable here. And all that to say us for our application in our lives here is that in the promised life that God has for us, there are going to be rivers of difficulty that will keep you from the promised life. By that I mean the children of Israel think in their application, they're on the edge of the Jordan River. Remember the Bible says these things were written for us. So and they have to trust God to take the first step there, um, and then God would, would work a, a miracle there. And so my question to you is this. In terms of launching out, what is your Jordan River? What are the rivers of difficulty in front of you that are keeping you from launching out there? I want to point out here, too, that God's people didn't go alone. They went in community here. Some of you are maybe saying, well, I don't know why I should step out in faith because I like, I like my life that the, the way it is. Why should I step out? Well, you're just going to miss out on everything that God has for your life. That's why you should step out. Some people say, well, I'm kind of getting up there. I'm a little older. And all. Hey, you know how old Joshua was? Joshua was 80. The example to us of stepping out was 80 years old. And so let's think about that there. And so they needed to step into the fullness of what God had for them, but like them, like them, we can do this. We can look back. We can look at the mistakes, look at the things that the regrets, the grief, the whatever there. And so recognize this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. It says that we, that includes every Christ follower here, for we are God's workmanship, are his poema. That means a created work like his poem, his expression of what he wants to do in the earth. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do like some good stuff. There's good stuff God wants you created unto good works and which God prepared in advance. How amazing is that for you to do there? 
So God has these good works for you to do. You need to launch out because there's good works for you to do there. And so you want to step into the fullness of what God has and not look back. So God has given you gifts and God has given you talents in, in this generation for the purpose of serving him. These, my friends, are the three keys to stepping out. In Jesus' name, you got to let go. In Jesus' name, you got to lean in to what God has said. And in Jesus' name, we have to launch out. And this, and this is the word of the Lord. Right on. Put your hands together and thank God for his word.